This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tech Girl, Miriam Jouar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Jouar, and today is Wednesday, April 3rd, 2019, and my guest is Nikki Gordon-Bloomfield of Transport Evolved. Hi, Nikki. How are you? Hi, Miriam. I'm very well, thank you. How are you doing today? I am really great. Um, so if you're tuning in to the show, you know we cover mobile technology, and mostly that uh, means you know consumer gadgets that you put in your pocket. There are smart devices like our smartphones and watches and headphones. But you also know from listening, if you have been listening for a while, that I do love cars and that I do drive a Tesla and I love EVs. And that I want to cover vehicles in this show, specifically the slice of transportation that's electric vehicles, because, you know, it's personal and it's a device that unlike a phone, you can't put in your pocket, but you can step into and use. So this is going to be a show about mostly EVs and mostly about the Model Y that was announced two, three weeks ago, because I just haven't had a chance to cover that on the show. So Nikki is... One of the people out there that knows the most about EVs, not just Teslas, but all the EVs in the world that have existed since the dawn of time, right, Nikki? <laughs> well, let's let's just say I've been covering this for uh, oh uh, more than a decade now, right? So so a lot of websites have come up in the last couple of years. We've been at it one way or another since two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Yeah, so it's been a decade or more for you. Like in the same way, it's been a decade or more for me to cover phones. But I think right now I want to kind of dig into a few things. As I said, the Model Y, there is a now a officially a $35,000 Model 3 on the market. Of course, it's a little backordered right now. But as much as we've seen a pattern of delays with Tesla, I think we've also seen that they've eventually delivered. And then the other thing I want to touch on a little bit, maybe we can start with this, is there's this weird perception out there. If you don't know Nikki and you don't know her channel, you should check it out. I will link to some of Nikki's videos. There's also a website and stuff. But you seem to, you know, kind of get pegged by a lot of uh, fanboys and fangirls as the uh, the anti-Tesla EV expert. Right. Yeah. And I actually don't think you are at all because I know you. You know, I want you to dismiss that myth somehow. But mostly I, I want you to kind of, you know, I'll tie it in with putting in the show notes the video about your April Fool's joke from yesterday or the day before, where you said you were going to rebrand the, the channel Tesla Evolved. Tell us a little bit what your perspective is and why you think there's this weird perception. All right. So my goal really with Transport Evolved is to get people onto cleaner, greener, safer and smarter transportation. That is our tagline. Right. I couldn't I couldn't give a fig about whether you are driving a Tesla or you're driving an electric car that you made yourself or you're using a bicycle with an electric motor in it or you're you're doing some other weird form of transport that we either don't cover very often or we haven't thought of yet. And for us it's about reducing our personal carbon footprint, our personal emissions. Yeah, it's about climate change, right? It's I about mean, climate change. Yeah. And it's about also saving money. And it's also about doing a smart thing for the world as a whole. And so see, you're sounding like Elon. <laughs> exactly. See, I don't understand why exactly. they, don't, they don't see that. And, and I, well, I think, okay, so here's the thing. Elon is, is, is somebody who is very approachable in, in so much as a lot of people identify with him. Right. You know, they, 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 
they aspire to be him. They aspire to be as clever as him, as as um, as unique as he is. There, there's a nerdy element that I think a lot of people feel uh, akin with. And I mean, I know I've spoken to Elon, you know, way back in 2012. I asked Elon a question about supercapacitors and his face lit up like a Christmas tree and he got super nerdy. <laughs> and he's the kind of guy that if you are at all nerdy about anything, you can you can probably see someone like Elon in your group of friends, not necessarily be friends with Elon Musk, but you you know people who have the same kind of traits that he has. And he's built this amazing company. He has, you know, challenged what it means to drive an electric car, which is phenomenal. He has dragged the auto industry kicking and screaming along. I love but that I think part. We've got I just to- love it. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I do too. But I think we've got to a point now where there is um where where folklore and um almost like this mysticism has descended around Tesla. It's, it's the same Steve Jobs thing, right? It's it's, it's kind Steve of the, the parallels thing. between Tesla and Apple are are staggering to me. Yeah, and 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 look, there are definitely there are definitely things that we we let Tesla do collectively that we would not let other companies do. Uh, you know, the, even Autopilot, okay? So Autopilot is phenomenal. It's a very um, fantastic system. I've used Autopilot many times. But how many other companies out there would even dare to push Autopilot to market without getting, you know, the whole regulator buy-off? Elon does do things in the very, instead of ask permission, beg forgiveness way. And, I and think it's very Silicon Valley. And, you know, there's is. a lot of cultural issues around that. As, as somebody who lives in Silicon Valley, a big part of my time, and who has lived there for a long time and been part of the tech industry for a long time, this is one of the biggest challenges in the culture right now of Silicon Valley and generally the culture of technology because it, it, it kind of emanates and radiates outward from there. And, and, you know, that's also why we have Lyft and Uber and Airbnb who arguably are not the most um, ethical companies, Right. I know we're deviating, but this this show is full of tangents. And right. I think the challenge is to me, like that culture that you're describing about Tesla, you know, ask forgiveness, not permission, is part of the reason we you know we had this electric scooter invasion in, in the Bay Area, part of the reason we've had uh, Uber and Lyft breaking rules left and center. And and the the competition that has engendered has caused people drivers in particular to get the raw end of the deal because it's not uncommon from drivers to drive up from LA to come into the Bay Area for a conference week and drive for a week nonstop and live out of their car in a Walmart parking lot you know we've broken something here like we've not disrupted we've actually destroyed or broken or damaged the system right right and and, and I got- think so there's a lot of danger but I also at the same time you know the car industry they right. will not change unless they're drag kicking and screaming. And so in this case, I can't fault Tesla for breaking regulations in a way, because we, you know, the end goal is climate change is really happening and nobody's doing anything about it. And if we don't collectively do something about it, I think that's an even greater threat than Airbnb and, right. and Uber and Lyft. So right. I don't know. It's a tough one, right? Like it, <sighs> it is a tough one. And I think the symptoms that you're describing are... Uh, a side effect, a result of having a decentralized communication world. You know, the internet has allowed us to decentralize how we get our information and also how we communicate. If you think 
back when when we were growing up, if you wanted to contact someone, you wrote a letter, you put it in a mailbox, you posted you it that way. You picked up the phone and dialed the right. number or that you, you had memorized. Right, yeah. exactly. And and the same thing was true about news, okay? So if a company wanted to announce something, they would talk to journalists. Those journalists would then either write a story or make a an, an, a piece for a for a TV show or a radio show and then it would be broadcast. These days we are short-circuiting a lot of that old-fashioned uh, research and, and journalism. And I think maybe that's one of the reasons why people have this reaction to Transport Evolved and the fact that we do want to give all car companies a, a chance. And we do try and look beyond the headlines. And I think that's really good journalism. And that's what I like about you, you know, watching your videos and when you, I, I always get like a kind of a balanced perspective because there's a huge echo chamber, like on YouTube, it's all Tesla, right? Like, I mean, right. who, who writes about, or, or every now and then you see that the occasional leaf review and, and I don't want to, you know, point any fingers or anything. And I don't actually believe in what I'm about to say, but some <laughs> channels have actually, you know, started out by reviewing other EVs and are now reviewing or now recently purchased a, a Tesla, and now it's all Tesla all the time. And I'm saying, like, I also understand, right? They they have to make a living, and as a as a content creator, it's really hard to make a living. And on YouTube, it's it's about page views and and about you know uh, minutes viewed and and subscriber count and all that. Right. And so, of course, you know, Tesla is going to get you lots of news. And so, I I appreciate that you're not just doing Tesla, but I also feel that. You know, people have to understand that just because you're not just doing Tesla means you doesn't mean that you don't like Tesla. Right. I think you're just exactly. trying to be balanced. Uh, the challenges, I think, is that, and this is the biggest problem that I have as a Tesla customer and a, and a tech journalist who, you know, although I'm primarily a tech journalist, I did cover automotive technology in tech journalism for a long time, which is how I was one, I was actually the first non-car journalist invited when I was at Engadget to drive the Model S. Uh, when it was not quite in the hands of public, actually at the first deliveries in right, Fremont right, in 2012. That. Yeah. You know, it was actually Pride Week and it was Transmarch Day and I missed Transmarch to go talk to Elon and drive a Model S for the first that, time. That is, that is. <laughs> I know, I know, that professional you know. <laughs> duty as a journalist. But the point is that I it it changed it was a pivotal moment for me. It changed as a car enthusiast, somebody who grew out who grew up around cars. My dad used to, you know, do little rally races when I was a kid. He, he, my dad used to change the, his cars regularly and and work on them and stuff. So I, I I'm I'm a, I'm a car buff. There's no doubt I'm a car enthusiast. Oh, it's yeah. rare as a woman to be a car enthusiast, but I am. You are a woman. You're a car enthusiast. It happens, right? And and I I had this kind of like I was I've always been a big proponent of EVs. I get it. Like I'm an engineer, so I get the efficiencies here. I get the, the advantages, right? Right. So I always rooted for EVs, but it wasn't until I drove a Model S that the <laughs> light bulb went off and I immediately said to my head, this is, this is, this is iPhone grade change. This is, this is the same revolution starting to happen. If they can pull it off and continue existing as a company as Apple has done with the iPhone. Because look, I used smartphones before the iPhone. And I continued using oh non-iPhones yeah, while I had an iPhone. <laughs> but the reality is nothing could touch the iPhone in terms of ease of use and in terms of kind of completely rethinking what a phone could do and be. And I think that's a lot of the problems that I have as a Tesla user is to explain to the average person that it's not just another car. Like, And I don't want a hyperbole here, 
and and please back me up if you feel that it's, this is true. This is a complete rethinking of transportation. It's the ecosystem, Miriam. So a really interesting thing. You know, I remember owning smartphones way back then. In fact, I 1998, my first smartphone, if you can call it that, was a Nokia communicator. Yeah, do, you, you remember know what those I'm with a about. with a big open you have the keyboard and it you just made like a lot of friends on my channel. Numbers. There, yeah, I know, way. right? So, so you know. <laughs> but the iPhone came along and it was it was completely revolutionary, and it was completely revolutionary for two reasons. First, Apple completely bought into that that ecosystem. Okay, Apple right. came along and it said, "Hey, we've we've redefined what a computer can be." Because let's not forget that transition didn't start. Until what 1998, when we had those original Bondi Blue iMacs with the G3 processors, yep, yep. and we completely revolutionised how people thought about computing. We did away with the with the old chattels of the past, the floppy drive, the idea that you would open the computer up and and upgrade things. And Apple said, "No, you don't need it that anymore. You need an internet connection. You need a CD-ROM." And that's it. We take care of everything else. Obviously, those early days, OS 9, when you transition to, to, to Mac OS 10, that was when things really started to kick off. And on the back of that, and it was only possible because of that, Apple came along and goes, hey, you remember what we did with computer operating systems and, and computer experiences? Well, we're now going to do that with the mobile phone. They did the same thing with music, with the Apple iTunes store. And while, right. you know, lots of people gripe about iTunes, I certainly do. You know, I hate it when I put my, <laughs> when I plug my car into my, into my phone and then suddenly U2 starts blaring at me. <laughs> I have removed that damn album so many times from my freaking phone. And it's still in there, isn't it? And it, it still yeah, keeps coming too. back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and <laughs> the way that Apple redefined how we use our phones, how we relate to music, was because of what it did previously. And I would argue that Tesla has done the same thing with the S and the X and the 3. And I think the 3 is a pivotal of point. The I, think, I think the S and the X were just not... I mean, the iPhone... The S and the X to me feel like the first three iPhones, you know, in many ways. It's the iPhone 4 that I was really... That the democratization right. of the iPhone, right. I feel. The phone was even better. And I think arguably the Model 3 is even better. And, you know, then people really got it. By that point, the ecosystem was well-developed in the same way as by this point, the supercharging network is really developed, um, et cetera, et cetera. And I think, I think that's the hardest thing for me to explain to people. I have so, man, so much knowledge in my head about what a Tesla is and does and how it behaves that I make so many assumptions when I explain to people what my Tesla does and how it works and answer right. their questions because there's a lot of people come up to me and talk to me about it. That, and and the look in their eyes and their and I realize I have to rewind. I have to like <laughs> wait a minute. Okay, first of all, yes, it doesn't take gas. It's not a hybrid, like <laughs> right. And, and and to be clear, I don't want to discuss hybrids on the show. I, I I think hybrids are a terrible, terrible idea, and they're a terrible idea because they are a compromise and are more complicated than they should be. And more importantly, most of there's not a single hybrid unless you spend hundreds of thousand dollars on like a a Porsche hybrid uh, or or like a LaFerrari or like something like that. You're like an Acura NSX. So you can get a hybrid that's half decent. To me, it's a compromised driving experience. And so I'm either go gas, have a good time, put a stick shift in there, burn some dino uh, juice <laughs> and pollute the environment and, you know, wee-ha, or 
do the same, but use a battery and use torque and have an absolutely lovely time, you know? So it's really interesting because like when I started covering electric cars back in, I think it was 2007, that was when I got my first car, which was like basically an NEV, a neighborhood electric vehicle. It wasn't, but it was low speed. And, and I got it because I didn't have any money. I needed, I wanted to drive electric. I've wanted to drive electric since I was like three or four. <laughs> um, but I remember at that point saying, you know, if you drove to work in this car, it's boring, it's slow. But if you drive to work in this car, you could actually save a different vehicle for the weekends. And of course, then now we don't need to say that because we do have this electric um, performance element that, that Tesla really did bring about. But let's not forget that there were other companies that did similar things to Tesla and Tesla was just happened to be the one that won out. And, you know, if we circle back to the whole idea of, oh, well, Transport Evolved doesn't like Tesla, we do. I think the point that we try and make on a regular basis is that we do a disservice to the intelligence of people on the internet, to intelligence of everybody, if we pretend that there is just one solution, because yes. there's always more than one solution. And, and, and to bring it back to the kind of the, the iPhone analogy, what operating system, mobile it, operating system is most prevalent around the world. Android. Exactly. But if you have a conversation with someone about mobile phones, you're going to talk about iOS. You're going to talk about the iPhone X. You may you to, talk yeah. about the, you know, the S3, the S4, the S5, whatever you got. You may talk about, you know, the Pixel. You may talk about all these other Android operating system phones that are coming to market are doing a fantastic job. But if you want to get someone's attention, if you want to have that sexy attention, you're going to talk about an, an Apple product. And I know there are people listening to this that are going to disagree with me, and that's totally fine. <laughs> no, but I think but, you're right. But we are at that point. And, and the reason we cover other car companies and try and hold Tesla accountable and, and use the same kind of questioning of what Elon says and what Tesla says that we would with any other company is to try and make sure that we have as level and as fair a playing field as possible. Now, we did a piece yesterday where we kind of criticized GM a little bit about not making its message clear about where and when it was going to be bringing new electric models to market. And one of yeah, my... The, the Volt replacement, essentially, right? The, uh, the, the EV that's going to be a, a small SUV, correct? Right, the, the, the new EV. And I think one of the things that... that uh, one of the challenges of the internet, one of the challenges of, of the, I, I'm going to use the term Tesla religion, and that that is not implying there is definitely that everyone, an Apple religion. So I, right. I hear you. Yeah. So it's not implying that every Tesla owner is a is somebody who is necessarily in the Tesla religion, but there are people who are in the Tesla religion, and very often they are the most vocal people online, and very often they're not Tesla owners. You know, the majority of Tesla owners I've met are wonderful amazing people and i've talked to them about some of the some of the kickback we get online and they say well you know obviously these are people who who don't own a tesla who don't yeah. understand what it's really about and uh, you know when you're dealing with people who who have that that very um black and white reaction to what you're saying they're buying into to the myth to the to the mythology that surrounds the company and its founding and its and its goals, yeah, they, yeah, they're, they're buying yeah. into totally. into that in the same way that people bought into the the whole Steve Jobs, the reality distortion field that we all know so well. 
And I think that we have to acknowledge, though, that there are other solutions out there and there are other choices out there. People say to me on a regular basis, why don't you own a Tesla Model 3? Um, don't you like it? And my reaction is, yeah, I love the Tesla Model 3. I was lucky enough to, to drive one for a couple of days up here last year. I did a review of it. We loved it. We said it was one of the most fun vehicles we'd ever driven. And we criticized the price because at the time, the Model 3 standard range wasn't out. Yeah, no, I know. And, but it is a phenomenal vehicle. Now, does that mean I should buy one personally? Well, no, it doesn't because it doesn't suit my daily needs. You know, See, I'm I disagree, a mom. This is where I disagree with you right now. With the $35,000 Model 3, I don't think there is any competition today that's relevant anymore. Until the, 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 the Volkswagen ID is available, until the, the Kona Nero and Soul EVs are available and I don't think the Bolt plays in the same league. I don't think the Leaf Plus plays in the same league. I, I, they might be slightly cheaper, but I think that realistically, if you can afford a car that's 35, you know, like you, you're going to look at up to 40K, right? And, right? and so I just want to actually ask you a question that I felt was sure, very sure, interesting sure. that you brought up is what manufacturers... Did it before Tesla? I'm trying to figure that one out because well, I mean, no, Tesla really of- did, did one thing that I think nobody else has done, which is combining great performance, um, great battery density, supercharging, so a network of charging, and autopilot, and on over-the-air software updates. I don't think anyone did that all the same time together before right. Tesla. Right, and did. you're totally right. Um, that wasn't exactly what I meant, though, so let me re-clarify what I meant. Tesla, in reference to that statement, Tesla redefined what it meant to, to have a performance electric car. Okay, right, right. And there, there were other, that. There were yeah. other companies, or yeah. rather, there were other individuals who had very powerful, very fast electric cars. You know, John Wayland with the, the white zombie. We had um, the right speed um, Yeah, the, and the folks at AC... Uh, AC at, AC uh, propulsion. propulsion, right? Right. Yeah. And, and there were people who, and you know, the heritage of that, the people going right back to the EV1 days, there were cars before Tesla that showed that you could have a fun, sporty electric vehicle. Um, but they didn't succeed. Tesla did. Tesla, the roadster really was that turning point. For in, in so much as if we go back to the Apple analogy, the Tesla roadster is to the Model S and Model X what the iMac was to the except iPhone. price. <laughs> yes, except price. But because I the mean, iMac was let, expensive, but it, it was, was attainable. It was hellishly expensive. It was but hellishly it was attainable. expensive. Whereas I think the, the, the roads, I mean, to me, I actually think that somehow, and, and I know the history is well documented, but I am amazed that Tesla made the Model S, actually, financially, that they were able to go there. Um, but then once they made that car, to me, that's when the writing was on the wall. Uh, because within a year or two of that, the car wasn't only delightful and comfortable and roomy and all that great stuff, tr- frunk and all that, you know, ground from the ground up electric platform. There's something to be said about that. But also then they added supercharging. Then they added, um, you know, software. Well, they always had software updates from day one, but they they really showed what software update could bring to the customers. And then eventually, you know, we got autopilot, you know, and this, and again, I want to put a big asterisk next to that. Autopilot is a terrible name. Uh, it should be called, I think it should be called Copilot. Right. And it's, it is, it is a big can of worms. Um, there's a lot of issues around Autopilot. And I'm not talking about issues 
I've never had any problems with mine, but I'm just saying like, we've seen some issues. It's definitely the most um, ask uh, forgiveness yeah, for permission exactly, aspects yeah. of Tesla, but that's very Silicon Valley. And I think it, unfortunately, I think it needs to happen. Like I, I believe that we do not have another solution here because the governments of this world and the traditional car makers of this world will not move this envelope forward unless Tesla drags them into it. So and Tesla is taking huge chances of doing it, but I think they need to, and I think I admire that they are doing it. There are lots of, I have lots of issues, even engineering-wise, I have a lot of issues with it. Um, so so I, I hear what you're saying. I think, and, and this is a controversial uh, thought, I know it's a controversial thought, I think Tesla should have changed its, its pivot a lot earlier. Let's, let's not pretend that the Model X was anything but Elon Musk's flight of fancy. I know, it's terrible. It's a terrible car, in my opinion. I don't like SUVs, number one. Number two, Falcon doors, I thought that was the stupidest idea ever. I think that the Model X should have shipped with regular doors, at least as an option. And that's why I'm really excited the Model Y, because I think that finally we've got a viable... We, we, I really arguably think this is going to be the most successful Tesla of all time. Oh, I, 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 I absolutely agree. And I think one of the challenges that faces Tesla is to rebrand itself a little bit. Because it does have that, um, that reputation for being a very high-end, luxury, expensive car. And people take time to adjust to that fact. People take time to adjust to the... To the brand's I think Apple identity. had that too, but I think eventually Apple, you know, once the cars started subsidizing, the operators started subsidizing the phones, you know, everybody could almost afford an iPhone, right? I'm exaggerating a bit. I know there are some people who cannot afford an iPhone still today, uh, even on a subsidy plan because the, their budget just doesn't let them. That's why there's found, by the way, some phenomenal Android phone in the $250. Price oh, yeah, plan. definitely. Like the, like the Moto G series that I'm right. about to review the G7, by the way, in case you're <laughs> still thinking Interesting. that. In case, in case you're still listening and you're like, I've tuned out because this is not a phone show. I've got a couple of really great devices I'm working on reviewing right now, including the Moto G7. But I think that with the $35,000 Model 3, we're finally at a point where I really don't see how anybody who's about to spend money on a three series BMW or even an Honda Accord or a Toyota Camry, uh, cars that fully loaded cost about 35 to 40K. Like the feeling I get is that if, if you want a really great car that's comparable in size and in specs, uh, other than of course performance, which the Tesla will win, um, you're going to be looking at about the same amount of money. So tell me why you wouldn't buy a Model 3 at that point. Okay, so multiple things. Okay, first thing is, obviously, we need to acknowledge that not everyone is going to spend that kind of money. No, no, of and, course, and, but let's, and, let's assume and, for a second, right? Let's assume let's, that let's they assume do. Let's assume that they have 35000 they say they're $40,000 in the bank so they can afford the delivery charges and the whatever, and, and you know, say they're in Oregon so there's no taxes. They can afford a thirty. They can afford this Model Three. So now, why wouldn't they buy it? It's personal choice, right? It's it. It comes down to personal choice. And what I am an absolute supporter of is to say to people, it's okay if you don't choose this vehicle. Choose the vehicle that you feel most comfortable in. It might be that you don't like the driving position. It might be that you don't like. The interior space, or you don't 
some people don't like giant touchscreen displays. You know, I, you know, we acknowledge that this podcast is a tech-focused podcast, so people listening <laughs> to this are going to be l- listening to this going, are you freaking crazy? No, but, but it, I agree the, the reality you. I think, is I think true. That some, people are, some people have not made, and this is, my, this is what I was saying earlier about this is the hardest thing for me to explain to people, how it's a radical change. It's not just another car. It, it's, it's hard to wrap your head around what it is. And, and again, you've only lived with it for two days. I've lived with it for what nine months now uh-huh. and and it's i'm my perspective is completely warped not because of the you know the because i'm a journalist i'm obje- i try to be objective not because of the you know the uh what's it called the, the distortion field right right but because of the reality of me owning this car and realizing like holy crap this is still such an incredible radical departure in every direction of what mm-hmm. i expect a car to be even me as a car enthusiast and it's so hard to explain this to people that I think that's, you know, in the same way as culture takes a time and society take time to evolve, you know, and of course that affects big car companies. They take a long time to evolve also because they have an invested interest in oil, I think, a lot of them. Um, so I feel like a lot of people are not able to bend their heads around this, even if you explain it to them because they need to experience it. And not oh. just for two days. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally here where you're coming I mean from. you know as an EV driver for a long time taking Tesla out of the equation you've dri- you know you own a right. Bolt right now you've owned an original Leaf um, yep. you've had a RAV4 EV which is like awesome like the first gen the first one. one I drove yep. the second gen for Engadget by the way I reviewed it for Engadget yep. uh, as you know uh, you kind of understand like you've already lived with the benefits of EV so I don't have to tell you about the fact that having a full car every day at home kind of thing is changes you, the way you think of, of right. you know filling up right like filling up is doesn't exist anymore like it's there's no such thing it's like your car is charged every morning and you can drive for me 300 and something miles and if i'm going on a long trip i've got supercharging along the way pretty much guaranteed right and it takes 45 minutes to an hour i just read my email eat some food go to the bathroom right uh, catch up on my news feed go for a walk and i'm done and i move on and i continue and so that's a non-issue. Now, on a Leaf or an e-Golf or um, original Leaf, on another car, on an older car, an old EV, you're going to have potentially issues with range if you try to do that, and of charging infrastructure if you try to do that. But if you're just driving around town, right, with your Leaf, like, did you ever get to a point where you didn't have enough battery with a 100-mile range? No, not for daily driving. I mean, if you were doing like a long distance trip, you know, disclaimer. No, no, no but like I, say like for your everyday needs, you, you never, this was never an issue, right? No, it's never an issue. And, and, and I think that's the reason why I kind of say to people, look, you need to choose the car that suits your needs, not what the crowd says you should buy. And, and this loops back to the whole idea about why we ended up with a Bolt rather than a Tesla. And we, we ended up with a Bolt for multiple reasons. You know, firstly... We needed a car there and then. We had a car that was was being unreliable and we needed to trade it in. We got a great deal on the trade-in value. We actually bought a car that had been uh <laughs> it had been taken off the trail off the uh, delivery truck and one of the delivery drivers ran it into a lamp post. Oops, because too much torque. Um and so <laughs> it'd been repaired and we got a deal on that. And the everyday nature of that car was comforting to both of us. Yeah, yeah. You know, no, I it, get it. we we needed we didn't want necessarily all of the high tech. We just wanted a we wanted a tool. And, and you don't drive long distances with it. 
And also, you couldn't afford, you possibly couldn't afford a Model 3 back then. I mean, this is a huge price difference between what you paid for a uh, Bolt then oh, yeah. and what was available from Tesla then, right? Like, right. I'm talking about now, though. Right, right. I mean, and, and you know, actually, it's really funny because when I talk to people about the Bolt, they go, well, you don't drive that long distances, right? And I go, well, actually, I've driven to uh, Reno, Nevada. I've driven to Las Vegas. I've driven to California a couple of times. I've driven to Seattle. Do you have DC charging on yours? Yeah, of course. Anybody who buys an electric car intending to do long distance trips, it's all the way down the West Coast, all the way down I-5. Okay, it's good to know. I didn't know they had DC chargers everywhere. You know, I was able to get to, to, to Vegas from Portland with a car full of camera gear and two of my colleagues in two days. And we could have done it in one, just like we would have done it in a gas car in one, but like gas car in one, it would have been 16 hours. And in the Bolt, this probably the same as it would have been in a, in a Model 3 or a Model S. It was a bit longer. And so we were like, you know what? We're going to split this up. Yeah, yeah. We're going to take plan. our time. And uh, we saved a butt ton of money on oh, airplane yeah. oh, yeah. tickets and, and fuel that we would have to have done it any other way. Um, but, you know, for me, if the Model Y had been around when the bolt came out, then we might have been having a different conversation right now. However, there are elements about the Tesla ecosystem that I do not like. Okay. Um, and there are things that I think Tesla desperately needs to focus on. And Elon Musk has acknowledged this. Number one, repair and after-sale service. Absolutely. Well, after-sale service has been impeccable for me. So I have zero complaints. Right. I really have zero complaints. I've dealt with San Francisco and Portland service centers, and it's been an absolute delightful experience. Right. Every time. Right. So I can't, I, I think that's remedied. I think the issue is repairs and availability of parts for repairs, although right. I hear that's changing extremely rapidly. Right. When my car's rear quarter window was broken in San Francisco, even though I had nothing in the car mm -hmm. because they wanted to see what was in the trunk <laughs> and yeah. I didn't have my rear seats down, which now I always leave down when I'm in San Francisco, and because I had an Oregon plate on, they uh, I was able to get this repaired within six hours. That's incredible. And that's and that's how it should be for everybody. And I'll acknowledge and I think that it's, not I think everybody we're there. does that. I think we're there. This was in December. I think we're there. Hmm. Everybody that I know that has a Model 3 right now that has bought in the last, that has had an accident and had to get it repaired in the last six months has not waited more than a week for parts. That's pretty much in line with getting a golf fixed or whatever, okay? We have to hope that that's true all over the world. I have heard anecdotes from people in other countries, like the UK, for example. Um, not so much with Model 3, but with, obviously, because it's not available over there, but people with Model S are saying, you know, we are still waiting for parts. Things are still taking longer than they should. I think you're absolutely right. I'm not going to deny that this is, this is, I'm sort of saying it's changing and it's changing rapidly. And it's only really changing for the Model 3, I think. And it's only really noticeable in the big urban centers in the US at this point, possibly only on the West Coast. Oh, that's cool. That's good. That's good to know. The other thing that I want to make sure that Tesla follows through on is the whole right to repair and availability of oh, spare Oh, yeah. We, we should have Rich on the show for this we one. We should have Rich on the show for this one. If you guys you don't know, Rich Rebuilds is a YouTube channel. I'll, I'll link to, uh, to it in the show notes. It, he is a really awesome guy out of Massachusetts that has fixed Teslas, um, salvaged cars and brought them back to life and he's run into a whole bunch of obstacles in the process but he's always surmounted them and he's a really interesting fellow you should follow 
follow his work. Um, but he, you know, he's the poster child for the the big issue you just brought up, which is right to repair. Right. And I think this is not just a Tesla problem. This is becoming a problem with other automakers. I think this is you an know, auto it, industry. And I would say it's a consumer electronics problem. Right. I mean, we're, we're seeing it with Apple. Um, I mean, I don't know if you watch Louis Rossman occasionally. Yeah, no, I he, do. He, I do. He has been saying that, that Apple's latest um, MacBooks don't yeah. have any repair, repairability in them because of the way that they're all paired up and set up. Yeah. And I think as a as a world, as a society, we do need to be pushing companies towards making their products sustainable, which is counterintuitive from a business point of view, because the business, you want people to buy a car every new every year. Um, but from a, an, a longevity point of view, that is something we need to address. And I think that's something I'm going to be very interested to see how Tesla reacts to and addresses that issue moving forward. Because I agree. where Tesla really, it really could hit a home run is by getting the repairability and the right to repair set up. I get... think it's going to happen. I think the pendulum, once they have enough cars out there, the momentum will kind of drag them into it. I think Elon's aware. I think that Rich has kind of been the poster child for this. And I think it's going to happen. I think the pendulum has to swing back a little bit, but it's a pendulum. And I think that, you know, I, I, I hate to say this, but I want to blame, you know, somewhat Apple, but also I want to blame the, the German car makers. They're the ones who started this in the high-end luxury area where, you know, you can't install a new headlight unless you get it, you know, the serial number in, right, into the computer right. and stuff. Like, this is ridiculous stuff. And, um, you know, it's, it's, you're right, it's, it's, um, it's, it's not consumer-friendly, and uh, especially on a $35,000 car, right? Right. Um, like... But at the same time, I want to question your your assertion, which not you didn't assert it that strongly. But I want to question. <laughs> I want to ask a question, which is: are, are people really going to buy cars and keep them for more than two to three years in the future? Like, I mean, to me, there's a consumer electronics arisation of the car that's happening that we're starting to see with Tesla. Right. That I think is inevitable, and I think. You're going to say, well, how is that sustainable? Well, it's sustainable because you can recycle a Model 3 almost completely, right? So right. even if the, I think what's going to happen is the drivetrain, the battery, and the body of the car and the interior of the car is still going to be perfectly fine after five years or reasonably fine, but people are just going to want to get something else. And, or maybe they won't even buy cars anymore. Maybe they'll just lease them or, you know, do the car share thing. Which, as you know, the Model 3, at least in higher trims, is set up to do because everything is controllable electronically. I think like seat position, yeah. you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I think you could eventually get to a point where your phone, you see a model three on the road. It's not yours. It's part of the pool. Right. On, quote unquote. You walk up to it. It recognizes your phone. It sets everything up on the car, including your preferences and your, your media and all your entertainment stuff. And off you go. Right. And in a utopian world, that's exactly what we'd see. But I think there are some challenges that lay ahead for that. Um, and I'll circle back to a point uh, that I want to make about something earlier that you said in a second. But we are, as a society, we have a problem sharing. We really don't like sharing with other people. No. We don't like the idea. I think that's more of an American thing, though. I think it's a societal thing around the world. The idea of getting in somebody else's car or getting in a car that somebody else has been in disgusts a lot of people. It doesn't bother me. You know, I use bike share schemes. I use car share schemes. You know, if you're worried about germs, then 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 just carry a little bottle of Purell with you. Um, <laughs> yeah. But but 
you know, that is a societal thing that we need to challenge as we move down the line. And if you think about it, actually, that's just going back to how we used to use telephones before the world of the mobile telephone. We were quite happy walking into a telephone booth, putting a quarter in our telephone, public phone, and dialing the number, right? We didn't think what twice those about What are quarters that. you speak of? I've never heard <laughs> right, of that. Exactly. What is this, money? Currency? What? I, actually, that's my biggest pet peeve right now, is, and especially in Portland, since you know I spend a big chunk of my time living there, is the, the kind of stubborn refusal by so many uh, shops to have tap-to-pay, Apple Pay, on, even an, even when they have the terminals for it, right. uh, like square terminals, they just refuse to implement it. Um, and, and I'm like, is this some kind of weird technophobia right. <laughs> or, or you know, you know, like, you know, I'm, I'm hip and cool because I'm using cash kind of thing. I, it just drives me nuts. Like, I love the fact that when I plug my Model 3 into a supercharger, because they talk to each other and it's automatically debited out of my bank account, as it should be. Right. And they're you know, like, why should I interact with anything for that? There are standards. There's a new charging standard that's coming into into existence that will do the same for other car companies and other charging standards. And in my ideal world, we would have a triple charging standard at all charging sites. I, I did a post the other day suggesting that Tesla's upset because the state of New York is doing um, an incentive program right now to encourage people to install and operate rapid charging infrastructure for electric cars. Um, mm -hmm. As part of that, they are offering reduced rates to those operators to try and encourage them to offer rapid charging. Now, obviously, normally when you offer rapid charging, it's quite costly because you don't only have to pay for the electricity, but you also have to pay demand charges because you're suddenly going from withdrawing nothing from the grid to suddenly withdrawing a really lot. high amounts like of a power. Lot, a lot. And yeah. utility companies can't uh, predict that, so they penalize you when you do that. And, you know, there's this whole uh, incentive program designed to encourage people to install charging stations. And Tesla's saying, hey, we can't be part of that because the stipulation is that it has to support Chidemo and CCS, which are two other rapid car charging standards used primarily by the Japanese and um, Korean automakers, although the Korean automakers have kind of dropped Chidemo. It's just Nissan, really, now. And the CCS standard, which is used by all of the other automakers around the world. I mean, CCS is is, is absolutely going to be the, the future. I think for a little while, we're going to have a parallel network of like third-gen 1,000-mile-per-hour superchargers with uh, you know CCS kind of side-by-side -side almost every site. And then eventually... Eventually, we'll get an adapter from Tesla that lets us use CCS. And maybe, maybe you know more about this, but Elon has said in the past that people could license supercharging, right? Right. So why don't they? I mean, eventually, it would make sense once there's enough EVs on the road that we all kind of just share, right? Right. Um, and it's a quid pro quo arrangement that requires, um, there, are some, <laughs> there are some very very specific things in that agreement. So, for example, if a car company wanted to share Tesla supercharger technology, they would have to agree not to sue anybody else for patent infringement when it comes to electric cars. Ah. So, there are some stingers in the tail. Um, and I think that That's might have something thing, to right? do. It is a good thing, but it's something that a lot of companies don't want to do. But what I would like to see, honestly, and I don't understand why Tesla hasn't done this, is set up parallel supercharger, a single one per site for other standards. You could quite easily charge people 
for the Tesla supercharger experience. Right. Because the engineering of a Tesla supercharger is superior to some of the other charging stations out there. Tesla uses a modular system. So instead of having just one set of power electronics inside the charging unit, they are a parallel chargers. I think there's 10, maybe 12 parallel uh, high power charging units within each supercharger stall or within each supercharger power unit. That's right. That yeah. If if one of those units dies, you can still charge. You're just charging a little slowly, more slowly, slowly. Yeah. than you would previously. I don't think there's any other charging providers that do that. But I would rather see Tesla take advantage of other electric car companies or other automakers' reticence to work on their own charging network by saying, that's okay. You've got a CCS car, you can come and use our Tesla supercharger. And, I honestly would love that. And we would, I would happily pay a premium to go to a Tesla supercharger with my Bolt. But I don't think it will happen. And I would love to be able to use CCS chargers um, with my Tesla Model 3, which right now does not have an adapter for that. It does have an adapter for pretty much everything else, but no DC fast charging other than supercharging. And I think so, that that comes back to the the the, the standards war, <laughs> you know, comes back again to the whole Apple problem. You know, Apple yeah, was yeah, the company yeah, that absolutely. went, we're going to use USB now. Everybody has to use USB or we're going to use Firewire or we're going to use Thunderbolt. And, and yeah, everybody else yeah. goes, what, where now? And they either have to go with Apple, which did happen a couple of times, or the industry has to turn around and go, Apple, you're smoking pot. Stop being Isn't silly. Isn't Tesla mo- using standard charging connectors in Europe, though? Yeah, they're using CCS on C- Model 3, which is crazy. I know, it's fantastic. I'm excited with that. Listen, we don't have too much time, but I want to touch on a few things. You know, in terms of announcement, $35,000 Model 3. Um, right. It's finally here. So does that change your recommendation slash perspective on what you advise people to do. You know, again, trying to be super neutral here. Somebody comes <laughs> up and says, I want to buy an EV. Nikki, you're the EV expert. Has that changed things for you now? Because I totally understand why you would say, you know what, the Model 3, the Model S, Model X, the Tesla universe is in, it's kind of, it's in a different universe. It's, it's a fantastic, beautiful universe full of unicorns and full of monsters, but it is a little hard to attain for a lot of people. Do you know what I say to people? Whenever people ask me, what car should I buy? I say, okay, what do you need to do with it? Yeah, exactly. No, but now does it change? Has that changed that for you? No. I mean, I'm still going to say to people, and people might find this hard to believe, but I do recommend Teslas to people. Uh, When people (gasps) people on the street ask me and they say, hey, you do not recommend. And so people say, hey, which car should I buy? And I go, okay, well, what's your budget? What do you want out of a car? And if they turn around yeah. and say to me, I want a really fancy, fast, um, high-spec electric car that I can impress my friends with or whatever, then I'd say, by all means, go and buy a, a Tesla Model 3, Model S, Model X. So if, the fact that there's one now available for a reasonable price, even if it's only black, is not changing your perspective? I think my perspective is of, has always been, and I hope it always will be, is to pick the car that you most one and when i review right. a car i try and go with that same approach that same approach which is what is this car trying to do my job when i review a car is to is to go okay what is this car trying to to offer what does it offer and has it succeeded or has it failed now i can give yeah. you examples of cars that have failed to deliver that i think that the nissan the second generation 40 kilowatt hour nissan leaf 
non-plus regular? Uh, the, the regular one. Uh, I haven't driven the plus yet. Um, I was supposed to have that next week, but I'm going to be in India, so that's not going to happen. Um, the, the regular Nissan Leaf, 40 kilowatt hour, the high-end version of that, which is what? Pushing 40 grand is a complete waste of your time. Yeah. If you are looking for a high-end, high-end high luxury electric car, you're not going to buy that. You're going to go for a Model 3. But if you are looking for a car that is basic, just does exactly what it says on the tin, is unassuming, doesn't have, you know, crazy performance, you get to work and home on it, and you maybe want to go and see Granny in the next city at the weekends, you might go with the S. So I maintain that if you're looking at the Nissan Leaf, the -hmm. Nissan Leaf S is the best Leaf right now. Okay. Because it's more affordable and it's pared down on the the features. Now, the same could be said for the Model 3, the the entry-level Model 3. It is a very stripped down car and for a lot of people that will be what they want but we also have to acknowledge what i've said time and time again which is not everybody likes sedans and that's unfortunate you know i'm on board you know i'm a huge you know i'm a european who grew up there and a hatchback and that was my biggest sticking point there's two sticking points i had with the model 3 when i ordered mine no no hatch and no sunroof that opens oh yeah right but i've gotten over that and frankly, let's let's actually move to the Model Y now because that you bring a good point. And you also said earlier that you're very excited about the, that you would have considered the Model Y instead of the Model 3. So I think it has to do with the hatch. Yeah. But let, let's talk about that for a second because honestly, here's my thing. I have felt, so now that I've had the Model 3 for nine months, there's nothing I haven't been able to put in there, honestly. <laughs> like I know short of a washing machine, which I did carry in my Golf once. Right. Uh, I had a Golf R for a while. And, and... I put a dishwasher in the back of that car. I could not do that with my Model 3, granted. But I feel that, like, I'm not convinced that this is as big of an issue because the trunk is massive in my right, Model 3. Like right. the stuff I managed to put in there, and, and even if you put the seats down, you could put long objects. I'm really impressed. I mean, I'm not a sedan person, but I have to say like this has been the least concerning issue uh, sticking point that I had. Right. And of course, honestly, I still am more pissed off about not having a sunroof that opens. <laughs> um, if I have to be pissed off about something. But here's the thing to me about the Model Y. You know, uh, we can dig into it a little more and I want you to, because I, but I want you to do it. For me, what um, I'm super excited about the Model Y because it's a hatch, but I'm also not excited because it's higher up. I huh. don't want to sit higher. I do not want to sit higher. I want to sit, I want like a Golf. I want like, I want the Volkswagen ID if it gives me a supercharging network and it gives me a, uh, a you know, this great software experience and autopilot. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. this is what I've been telling people. People, people think, yeah, I'm a Tesla fangirl and I'm not. Like, I am just annoyed that the mainstream car makers, the Volkswagens and others of the world and this, and especially because I've got a slightly better budget that the Audis of the world and maybe even the Porsches of the world haven't delivered yet something that exists that I can buy in a store that is as good as a Tesla. Right. And, and they've been and talking about it for years, but I feel that they're screwing us around. Like, where is that product? You, I know you can make it. I where think is that it? they are coming. And I think, I think that, 
you know, the legacy automaker issue is is very complex and we can touch base on that. And very real. <laughs> and very real. But we can touch base on that, which is essentially for a company to pivot. And I'm not making an excuse. I'm stating a fact. For a company to pivot from one mode of operation to another is incredibly difficult. And yeah. in some ways, it is easier for a car company to start from scratch and offer a particular product from the get-go. There are a couple of companies out there that I believe will absolutely reinvent themselves as electric car companies. I think Volkswagen is Volkswagen has, and it will And do. the Volkswagen you know, Group in general. I think Audi, Porsche, everyone. Look, Volkswagen has rebranded itself multiple times in its history, okay? We're talking about a car company that once had the backing of Adolf Hitler. I know, right? Okay, and this is a car company. We're talking about a car company that gave us Dieselgate and is paying for it by making a fantastic CCS charging network. Yeah, although their their payment system is and their UI and their the actual look, tech it's still is fantastic because <laughs> nobody else is doing anything except Tesla. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I, look, I hear this is the thing. I cannot recommend an EV that you cannot take away on a trip on the weekend, and that's why I have a big problem with the Leaf and others. Is because there's no charging infrastructure. Or very little. You you're an, you you made it work with your Bolt because it has a long range on driving down I five, which is a bit of an exception. But I can drive my Tesla like many many more places that I think you can drive your Bolt still because of supercharging. And and I feel like to me this is the thing. If you're gonna make an EV, you cannot make an EV that's used to just for commuting. The concept of the car in American culture is escape. Right. If you don't I, have I buy that. that. Mm-hmm. If you're not supported by, if you're not supporting that, you're not doing it right. And I I buy that. Intellectually, you can convince people that, yes, they don't need to do anything more than commute with their EV. But I think that's that's shortchanging their experience. But, and this is the big problem, right? And this is one of the sticking problems that I have with the industry in general. And it's something that I think Tesla should should have done a long, long time ago. And I'm still waiting for Tesla to do it. I want cars that everybody can get into and that everybody can realistically afford. And we're sitting here on a tech podcast talking about cars that are beyond the reach of a large proportion of the population. Absolutely. We are we are on the West Coast. Absolutely. We are living w- in a very different world to somebody who's living in other countries, people who are living in the the, the flyover states, if you want to call it flyover country. And we, until we have a point where people feel that they can associate with a brand in those places that gives them what they want, we're not going to see a complete and total transition. I think no. some companies, I think Volkswagen has the potential to do that because it has the manufacturing capacity and the money. Let's not forget Porsche, which is owned by Volkswagen AG is the most profitable brand per in vehicle sold. Yeah. The markup on a Porsche is insane. And even Porsche is going around saying, mm, we're going to have to make cuts in order to bring the Taycan to market because we just can't make it financially happen. And we need to see those economies of scale come down with batteries. And I think that's, to me, it's the Volkswagen ID is going to be the next iPhone. Right. And I, think- I really believe that. I, I'm a huge fan of the Golf. I want my Golf, I want my e-Golf to be my Model 3. You know what I'm saying? Right. If Volkswagen could give me a, a car that looks like my Golf R did, 
and basically drives like my Tesla Model 3 and has all the features of my Tesla Model 3, I am not sticking with Tesla. Now, that's a very interesting statement. And I think and I'm you not are the not only the one. only Many one. Many Tesla owners right. I know right now are right. dying to get an Audi like, because we know that the, we like the interiors better. But why is that? Is it just the interiors? Honestly, for me right now, it's just the interiors and over, overall the, the, the uh, refinement of the manufacturing and the design. And that is a sticking point for me also. I don't mind admitting that. I mean, I think my Model 3 is actually a pretty attractive car. Some people don't agree. My, my friends call it a, a glorified Prius, and I hate them for it because it does not look at all like a Prius to me. I think the Model Y looks more like a Prius. But the point is, it's like design, interior and exterior design could, do, could be better, and build quality on mine is okay, but, and I know it's gotten even better on the newer ones I've sat in. But that is the big sticking point, at least for the kind of money I spent on my Model 3, because I don't have a base model. Um, and, you know, I've lived with an, a Golf R, which is a really high-end Golf, which is basically essentially an Audi, right. a low-end Audi, because it was made in Germany, my car, specifically on top of that. And I know what that, that level of refinement brings. It's, it's, it's nice. I own a Porsche. I have a Boxster S that's 18 years old that I bought for nothing. And that thing is leagues ahead of my Model 3 in terms of mat material quality, fit and finish, even 18 years in. Right. right. And I think fit and finish is going to be a challenge for a lot of people. And you bring up an interesting point, which is something that I, I bring out when people say, why do you drive a Bolt? And I drive a Bolt because I don't worry about scratching the car. I don't worry about beating it up. And, uh, you know, my car is, is, <laughs> yeah, I no, have, I, I, I have personalized my car. Um, my friends joke about I'm that. I'm honestly you know? not too worried about that on my car either. I think what I'm trying to get to is that for me, the Volkswagen's ID range, cause it's a range of cars. I'm hoping that they come out with a golf equivalent in that range, because that's what I really want. I don't want an SUV because I'm seating too high. That's why I don't like the, the idea of the model Y. I want the hatch, but I want it to be a car, like a car, not an SUV, a car. Right. Right. Okay. And I want the same level of performance that I have today with my, my little sedan. Um, but also I think the ones I'm really excited about are the Koreans. I think the Kona, Nero and Seoul, the new Seoul, when they come out with a range of 200 plus miles, at the prices that they're looking at selling them at, I think are the perfect car. I think the the Bolt is also in that range, in that in that box. Yeah. And I think they're they're great. They're going to be great cars for most people to get into EVs and I'm super excited to see them come to life, but they're not here yet. And and the Bolt is the only one. Right. And I think people underestimate the Bolt because it doesn't look sexy. Well, why did they screw that up? You know, I love it. Okay, so it was designed by a European, and uh, <laughs> that's a horrible thing to say. But for me, it reminded me of some of the European cars that I remember from my youth, and it it yeah. felt practical. It didn't feel it didn't feel like I was screaming, "Oh, look at me! I've got an expensive car," um, or I've got a clever car. It's just, it's just another car, and and it feels, it fills me with absolute joy every time I drive that car, and I chirp the tires because the bolts, <laughs> the bolt is much less refined in its driving experience than the Tesla. The Tesla blows the bolt out of the water when it comes to driving experience. But if and that's you another want, reason why I, I'm a very picky driver, right? right? I'm an enthusiast. I drive a Porsche as another car. I have an old Volkswagen van with camper van, which drives, believe it or not, incredibly well. Um, it's loads of fun to drive around, mostly because of the stick shift. But um, I think that 
for me, that's the thing. It's like, I hope that the Kona, Nira, and Soul are fun to drive. I'm not saying it has to be fast, but fun to drive, I think, should exist on every car made. And that's why I like the, the Golf and Polo, right. for example. They're fun right. to drive cars, no matter what trim you get them in. Right? I think there are some companies that are known for making better drivers. And I joke that the Bolt is like a muscle car hot hatch in disguise. I want a bumper sticker for my car, a window sticker that says the new hot hatch, because it feels <laughs> like the Bolt spiritually reminds me very much of the Peugeot 205. I've only driven it for a day, so you're a lot more experienced than, than me. I like that it's fast enough, but I feel that the suspension is a little too floaty for me. Like right. It's, it's also the high seating position. Like, as I was driving it spiritedly through the mountains, um, way more spiritedly than most people drive a Bolt, to be fair, I it could keep up, which was great. I was like, this car is doing it. But you know what? As was happening to me, I was getting seasick driving the car myself. <laughs> now, that never happens in my Porsche or my Model 3 when I pull them all the way to the max. And I was like, seriously, I don't want to be sick right now. This is a great, I'm having a great time. That's interesting because I've never felt that. But um, I do tend to drive with the regenerative paddle switched on all the time. I hold on to that paddle that's on the back of the steering wheel, which ah, means that I when yeah, I lift I off on, the throttle... I had it on the, the brake mode or the low, the low gear, whatever yeah, you want to call that's it. That's the uh, only way to drive it. It really is the only way to drive it. But, you know, bringing this back uh, to, you know, to, to the why, and I think the yeah. why is going so to be So why the why possible. for you? You said you would definitely get a why. You're really considering a why. Well, you would consider a why I today would consider a why if I was shopping today were it not for concerns about the build quality or, or rather the interior. I think that that is a So availability is not a concern for you because that's kind of not going to be two years, No, right? availability is not a concern to me. But I will tell you that we are looking to buy another electric car and we will probably end up buying a used Bolt because uh -huh. we are familiar with the car and we like what the, the one we currently have has, has, has done. I cannot recommend a Nissan to anybody uh, used, certainly. I can't recommend people buy a Nissan unless they're like, you know, I just need to get to and from work. In which case, yeah, you can buy a used Nissan, but be aware of that battery degradation problem. I we, mean, the fact that it's not cooled or heated right. uh, is, is, I cannot believe that they still haven't fixed this problem. Right. Because that we've been saying this since the first leaf. It's been how many years now? A decade? Right. And and when Nissan when I went to the Nissan launch of the second gen leaf in Japan and I absolutely I was furious when I stood there and I talked to the, the, the engineers and they said, no, no, we're fine. We don't need that. And I'm like, OK, guys, whatever. Um, you know, Chevy does have proper battery cooling. It has a phenomenal battery pack. Um, and I think, you know, with regards to Hyundai and uh, Kia, we're going to see some great cars coming out of there. But their problem is the battery shortage. Their problem uh -huh. is that they are being held to ransom. And I think that's somewhere that Tesla is going to have a phenomenal advantage. I heard someone tell me that um, the South Korean government is really pushing towards renewable energy and they're spending a lot of money incentivizing in off-grid or grid-tied storage projects and large amounts of electric batteries that would otherwise go in cars. And I've heard that they are putting a lot of pressure on Korean companies to keep those batteries domestic. And I think that's part of the challenge. And what a lot of people may not realize is that battery companies are 
are being very capitalist right now. (laughs) You know, they are changing the prices of battery packs. They're changing agreements. They're canceling agreements. They're paying the highest bidder, which is one of the reasons why Volkswagen is, is, is good because Volkswagen has such a huge amount of cash. I mean, let's not pretend that Dieselgate caused Volkswagen sleepless nights. It didn't. No, they didn't. I mean, it was definitely sleepless nights for the people who ended up in jail. Right, but but (laughs) Volkswagen's board literally just had to write a blank check. You know, their profits are back up. They're doing fine. And I think Volkswagen will do. And they will be fine. I don't know until Hyundai and, and Kia... Uh, essentially the same company, find a better solution for battery packs, they're in trouble. I think GM is going to be fine because GM has its own battery agreements that go back a long time. It's already figured out how it's going to get those batteries into production. But, you know, look, the biggest problem, and I, maybe this is kind of a final point for all of this, is the reason that Tesla has succeeded is that it made a compelling product and it engaged, in, engaged with consumers in a contemporaneous way that excited consumers and got them interested in the product, okay? It used word of mouth. It used the referral program. It was a marketing genius. Let's not forget the guy behind- Yeah, and so was Apple when you think yeah, about the, it. The guy behind the Tesla stores, George Blakenship, was the same guy that transformed Gap, was the same guy that transformed Apple's retail stores. And that's why Tesla's where it is today. The biggest challenge to automakers when it comes to electric vehicles isn't that they don't want to make them. I genuinely believe that GM and and a couple of other automakers are are desperately trying to make electric cars to play catch up with Tesla. Now, does that matter? Does that is that a bad thing? No, it's not. They should have done it sooner. But the fact that they're making electric cars now means that we should be supporting them rather than saying, "Well, you're not Tesla." I do, as I said, like Um, give me something that's as good as exactly, exactly. Um, but I think that, that the biggest is challenge made by someone else, I'll consider it. The biggest challenge is not the cars or the batteries; it's selling the bloody things. And selling yeah. the things is the problem. Is that people do not dealers don't want to sell them. Well, dealers can go to hell. I really think that I'm really sick and tired of dealership and the whole dealership system. I feel that I feel that Tesla's really nailed it with not having dealers. Honestly, I really do. And and I think because that's where Tesla succeeds. It's not quite the same thing. The model is broken, I think. And I'm glad that Tesla kind of like said, forget it. This is not going to work um, because that's how it should be. I, I, I can go to Apple and buy an iPhone and it doesn't matter what carrier I use it on, you know? But the, the, the challenge for Tesla in that regard is to have the kind of backup support that costs a lot of money that it needs to, to bring online and to ensure that it can scale its after-sales support and service and parts as quickly as it scales production. Because one of the reasons why the Apple Store model works generally is, Genius bar. Yeah, is yeah, if yeah, you absolutely. go to the Genius Bar with a broken iPhone, yeah. you say, hey, this is a problem. They plug it into a computer and they go, oh yeah, there's an issue. Here, have a new phone. Yeah, I agree. I think, but I think they're getting there. I, I think Tesla will do it. I think they'll, they'll get there and they're getting there slowly. So Model Y, just to... F- kind of wrap up what do you like about it over the three obviously i'm sure it's the hatch it is the hatch the, you know look i've got i've got two dogs right i've got two dogs but it's a very raked hatch so does yeah. that work for you yeah, because that does. a lot of people like more vertical like a station wagon i would hatch, rather you know? have a station wagon to be frank um but i've got two dogs i've got two kids and i have a hobby that involves you know lots of gear lots of gear and so i have to uh 
carry a lot of stuff and I want a car that's super practical. My wife is a woodworker. She, yes. you know, I mean, the idea of us carrying wood home in a, in a <laughs> Tesla Model 3 is Not we might do happen. that in a, in a Model Y. Um, I think also that the Model Y is going to learn from the mistakes that Tesla made with Model 3. But you know what? I really hope the one thing that Tesla learns, and I don't think it's going to, is to stop dicking around with prices and specifications. Oh my God. Yeah, those Saga, and the, I can't even keep up. Like, I don't know what's going on. You know, if Elon- I know when I bought my car that I overpaid because I, I was an early adopter and I accepted that, right? I mean, I can buy my car now for probably five grand less than what right. I bought it for, like brand new, right? But my point is, if you ask me right now, am I going to get the the traffic light uh, automatic stopping feature? I don't know, because I c- couldn't tell you what I have. Like, right. I know I have autopilot, and I hope that comes with it. I have gotten every upgrade, every feature so far. I just got 5% more power, like right. yesterday. Yeah, it, It's amazing. All of a sudden, my car is faster with more battery capacity. The last time I charged it, it said 319 miles instead of 310. And it wasn't a bug. I asked a bunch of other Tesla owners. They're like, yep, yep, it's giving us more capacity all of a sudden. Yep, and that is all great. And I want to see that expand. You know, I think Elon needs to slow down. Just get the why out, focus on doing the thing well, and for God's sake, start building something for the rest of the world. I think he's gotten, like his promise has been delivered. 35K Model yeah. 3 is very accessible. Oh, I yeah. want to remind you, Nikki, I totally am aware that there are people who cannot afford that much money. I get it. You talked about flyover states earlier. The average price of a brand new pickup truck is 45,000 US dollars. And they're everywhere. And it's made possible because of write-offs, right? Let's not forget that. Yeah, it's, of course, and it's that's company a, cars. That's, that's company cars, write-offs, and, and tax incentives. I am just pointing it out. Oh, yeah. Governments need to stop being complicit to the of continued uh, propping up of the fossil fuel industry. But you know what? I'm going to India next week, right? And I'm going to be a guest of Mahindra. Um, oh, and nice. I'm going to see some electric vehicles that they are bringing to market. What I desperately want, and I desperately think we need, is democratization of electric vehicles. Tesla is a poster child. It's a fantastic car. And for those who live in the West, who live in so-called developed nations who can afford a Tesla, fantastic. But if we really yeah. want to, to hit our climate change targets, if we really want to make a difference, we need more Chinese, Indian African market vehicles I that agree. everybody can literally can literally afford. It's like the, um, what was the name of that computer, that notebook? You bought a notebook and then they sent another one to another country. Oh, um, one laptop per child. One laptop per child, right? We need something like that for electric vehicles. We really need <laughs> something like that. It didn't really for, work out so I know, well. it didn't. <laughs> it didn't. Well but from, a, from, a, from an ideological point of view, I want that to happen to electric vehicles. So do you want to tell people where they can find you on the internet? Yeah, sure. Um, best place probably is youtube.com forward slash transport evolved or transport evolved.com. Any Twitter or Instagram handle you want to share? Uh, you can find me on a minor journey on Twitter. Um, I should probably uh, warn everybody that that's my personal uh, Twitter handle, uh, transport evolve on Twitter for the official transport evolved channel. We've got several people who have access to that. Great. Well, you folks know where to find me on the internet. I'm at Tanker on Twitter. That's T-N-K-G-R-L. I'm also that on Instagram. Uh, that's where I would follow updates on the podcast and some beautiful photos of uh, phones and cars and things. 
And then, uh, of course, the YouTube channel is uh, youtube.com slash Miriam My full name's spelled out, uh, Miriam with a Y. You can see the full name on my Twitter if you go there. Uh, and that's where you'll find some complimentary content to the podcast. Uh, videos, hands-ons, uh, unboxings, that kind of things. And I've got a couple of Tesla videos in there that I, that I made. Uh, so check that out. And then, of course, the podcast is at mobiletechpodcast.com. That's mobiletechpodcast.com. The, uh, we're on everything. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Overcast. Tune in radio, a bunch of other places. So uh, subscribe, tell your friends to subscribe to the YouTube, to like the videos and all that good stuff. And then uh, finally, um, I want to thank our sponsor, audible.com. Audible is really the platform for audiobooks. If you like to read, but for some reason cannot look at a book or look at a Kindle, uh, maybe you're driving all day or something like that, uh, check out audible.com. They have a really great selection of books. Uh, many of them are read by the authors themselves, which is a really great experience. And uh, if you want to support the podcast, in the show notes, there is uh, going to be a link to a deal where you get 30-day free trial. And if you click through that link, you will support the podcast as well. It's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. That's in case you don't have access to the show notes right now and you want to maybe support the show. And uh, we'll see you uh, next week with, uh, I've got a really cool guest for next week. It's going to be back in phone mode. So stay tuned for that. And thanks again, Nikki, for being on the show. Much appreciated. Thank you, Miriam. It's been great. Thanks for listening, guys. All right. We'll see you all later. Cheers, everyone. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.